The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. I read an article today in the news about the quote, women's recession, end of quote. And it was talking about COVID, the impact, especially on the working parent, disproportionately, of course, being the working mother. This has been evident from the beginning uh, that this would be a problem as we are heading into the fall months and school is in doubt, starting to sink in just how great of a problem it may end up being with parents needing to be tutors to help their children remotely learn, which is a horrible concept when you think about it. A lot of adjustments to life that are going to happen. And it brought me back to the 1980s and early 1990s uh, when I was a working mother and then a working single mother. Single parent, you can substitute that for that also. I was married to a traditional person. As a non-traditional person, that meant a lot of compromise, and I was willing to do it. I have no regrets that I took on the role of a quote-unquote traditional spouse, wife, mother, because knowing who I am now as an older person, I can see that my work, my fascination, I guess, with work, Um, would have made it very difficult for me to have spent as much time emotionally and physically with my children as I did in their early years when I only worked part-time. I worked part-time so that my spouse could be the breadwinner of the family and do the thing that males do. And he did it. He was gone a lot, and I was the at-home mom, except for when I worked. And I was the person that was responsible for getting the kids to and from childcare for the most part, uh, on the days that I did work. He was an entrepreneur and had much more flexible hours than I did, but I took on that role and I can remember feeling maybe it was a self-inflicted sense of guilt that since I was the one that wanted to work, I need to make it, I needed to make it seamless for him so that he wouldn't feel inconvenienced by that need of mine. Man, just saying that is freeing. Uh, I haven't been back mentally in that space for a long time. Uh, when I was in that space, it didn't bother me It after a while. It did initially because it's hard to dial back on your career path or your career dreams and go off on a tangent, which then becomes not a tangent, but the central issue of your life, which is, in my case, my children. As an old person of 60, I have no regrets. As uncomfortable as it may have been, as traditionally wonky as it may have been, 
I was able to put my imprint on my children at a very young age and be there for those magical moments most of the time. (laughs) Ask my kids about growing up later on and they'll tell you I worked a lot, which I did. I'm more than made up for not working much uh, later on, uh, even as they were in junior high and high school primarily. But I had the choice. And now people don't have the choice. And I'm watching as, in particular, female lawyers that I know, some males, but it's mainly female lawyers that I know, are trying to figure out how they can manage their law practices, taking care of their kids when there's no child care and school is in jeopardy or just in an alternate universe, knowing that most of the burden is going to fall on them. It does almost seem like we're going to be stepping back in time 20 years, 30 years, because this is going to devastate a lot of people that would otherwise be working on a career path. Comparatively, people that don't have a a career and that are working minimum wage jobs, all these other scenarios, this, of course, is even more devastating, worse. There's going to be a poverty cycle that's going to be created from this. That's going to be hard to escape. But my talk is today about, in particular, female lawyers, female trial lawyers, who are making these decisions about what to do as the needs of their children get placed firmly in their own laps. There are some people that have different arrangements. Then and even now, I had one friend who, um, her husband was in tech. She was a trial lawyer. She even did a trial with a baby in a bassinet next to her, a medical negligence trial. She's a remarkable person. Her husband, and they're now divorced, uh, took on the primary child care role uh, once the babies were weaned. And one of her stories just tickled me. I just will never forget the story. She was out of uh, the city in a trial that lasted at least a month. She had to stay in a hotel. And he uh, was responsible for the household. And he was very responsible. He would do pretty much whatever she told him. As in whatever she told him. So she wrote out the entire list of everything that he needed to do from feeding them to how to feed them to the time of day that he should do this or that. And he went down that list. And during her trial, a little bit midway, I believe it was, she got a call from the school and they were very concerned because her children, or at least one of them, had not turned in any homework for the past several weeks. 
She went back and looked at the list, and sure enough, she had forgot to tell her husband to make sure that the children took their homework back to school and turned it in. So he hadn't thought of that. <laughs> but for me, I never had uh, that kind of uh, support, especially after we separated and got divorced. And uh, uh, so the juggling involved, the guilt involved was always on both of my shoulders. Um, I've talked to you about that. I'm not going to rehash all of, of that um, ever never ending guilt. But I do want to talk about, is there a way for female lawyers who have spouses with seemingly unadjustable schedules? Is there a way for the female of the species to advance their career with children? Or must we always put it on the altar and sacrifice it so that we can raise our families? I don't think this question has ever been completely answered because I don't think it is capable of being answered in a uniform way. Theoretically, we all know the answer. If it's a two-person household or if parents are cooperative, there should be a sharing of responsibility and each parent should do their fair share and together raise a family with the support of not only themselves, but the community at large, including relatives or friends or the networks that they can build to assist in things like carpooling, homework groups, study groups, etc., playtime groups. But in reality, those idyllic circumstances never seem to turn out perfectly. Except in rare circumstances, it's the female that sacrifices their career. I did it. I did it to make my spouse happy. And I did it because I convinced myself that it wouldn't hurt me in the long run. And that my children would be better for it. Both things of which, by the way, came true. But being out of work means that you lose your edge, you lose your standing. As plaintiff lawyers, you lose your clients, you lose goodwill, you lose name recognition. If you take off a year following the birth of a child or a major life event, or you relocate because of your spouse and then come back, any deviation from your world of work sets you back in a very competitive field of work. It's one of the reasons why statistics for females as PI lawyers is so grim, and why we still are only 20% of the plaintiff bar in general, and why so many of us don't reach the pinnacles of success of similarly situated males who have no different skill set or talent 
necessarily than we do and yet have this ability to market and work around the clock while we don't have that luxury. This isn't about creating resentment. This isn't about having chips on our shoulders because we have to bear the load. This isn't about, are we better off anyway? Aren't we the lucky ones because we get to spend so much extra time with our children? It's about choices versus no choice. It's about people assuming that we are the ones that are going to carry that load. It's about not creating permanent space for us that is taken up by our presence, even if we temporarily have to step out to take care of children and then return. Has the stigma against the working mother really changed that much in the past 40 years? How many super aggressive trial law firms do you know who don't worry about their female associates or even partners who are still of childbearing years. They may not say it outright, but it's a big concern. The attrition rate of females in the big firms is significant, and it's significantly tied to uh, childbearing, the need for flexibility, and the unwillingness of most employers to give it. I wish I could say that there has been a lot of change over the decades, but in times like this, when you see COVID strike, see the choices that people are left with, you see a lot of the fallout from this veneer of progress for the working mother that seems to exist in the practice of law. This is the formula that I see that I worry about. Young female lawyer graduates from law school, gets a job with a law firm, or at least another lawyer, either a small law firm, big law firm, medium law firm, doesn't matter, or or a company, some other entity. They don't just have to hang up their shingles, or some of them do, but let's talk about the ones that don't hang up their shingles initially. They come out of law school and enter a job for whatever reason some of which will have upward mobility tracks available to them. They have a child. They then realize that in order to do all of the things that law firm wants them to do and have a relationship with their child and or spouse and or both, that that is going to be impossible. There is not enough hours in the day or weekend for that to happen. They try to overcome that and just work as hard as they can, sleep a little less, and then come to a crisis point. Hopefully they get 
to the crisis point before the crisis happens. And they realize that they don't want to live like that anymore. The child is suffering, the family's suffering, and the job is suffering. Nothing is turning out as it should. Maybe by that time, they've even grown a reputation in their law firm for not having great work product because it's not as good as it should be because they, aren't a, they can't spend as much time as they need to because of all the other conflicting factors. So they leave the law firm or the partnership or the business. And if they can, they take time off and maybe never come back to the practice of law. Or they hang up their own shingle. There are a lot of solo female practitioners who are able to have a good life. But then COVID comes around. And now what? They don't have the structure of a law firm to protect them. They don't have team members to help them in the practice of law. COVID strikes and there's no childcare and there's no school. For those that have worked out a deal with their spouse, if they have a spouse, maybe it's okay. That is going to be less than 10%, if that. What about everyone else? What are they going to do? How are they going to run a business when their child has no child care and possibly is going to need them to tutor them through school? There are no reserves set in that situation. This, in my mind, is the problem that we don't see until it's too late. And why I call it the veneer of everything is okay by having so many females being solo practitioners. It's only okay if everything else is okay. But when the structure is attacked, there are no resources. There are not enough resources to keep things okay. I'm not saying that everybody should stay in a big firm or be in a partnership. But I am saying that too many, and I've said this before, too many female attorneys with children in particular, default to the solo practitioner model because that's the only way that they can manage everything in a more flexible way. The law is an amazing thing. The legal field is not as amazing. The law is meant to guide us forever and to change according to the circumstances of our times. The legal field 
is creaky and ancient and doesn't accommodate us as we move along nearly, nearly so well. Concepts like the billable hour are things that at least PI lawyers don't need to deal with. But we still need to get the job done. We need to be available for court hearings and trials or arbitrations or mediations or depositions. Perhaps with modern technology, we will begin to see better ways. I fear that despite our legal groups that exist, that the solo practitioner default route taken by so many female attorneys, I feel like in general, it isn't healthy. It leaves you too isolated. I'm biased in this regard. My mother ended up being a solo attorney and I just watched her fail at the end. Um, too much, too much stuff, too much work, too much cases, not enough organization, not enough help. What I do admire and hope that maybe people will consider more of are a lot of the alliances that have been born. There are different uh, groups of female trialers or any trialers. Uh, or plaintiff lawyers, whatever you, group you are in, who band together to form virtual law firms. I think that model is a very real and good model for female attorneys with children to consider. Something that will allow you to have a relationship with another lawyer who will have your back so that you can cover things for each other so that you can share uh, the burdens that might suddenly come up. If you need to uh, cover a hearing and no one's there to uh, watch your child, but you and you have to watch your child, then you have this other virtual partner who can handle the hearing for you and vice versa. We need to talk to one another. We need to problem solve together. We don't need to just stay isolated in our own little cells. And that's what happens. Listservs don't change the world. They only get you so far. COVID has made human interactions really pretty minimal uh, in terms of collegial interactions. And no one wants to admit that they're floundering and having difficulties. But I wish that somehow people would be able to reach out to others and connect and form groups and alliances and become more powerful. Have more staying power. Create the resources. Because like it or not, for whatever reason it is, 
one thing has never changed over the years. And that is that the number one person that's going to step up to take care of a child when needed, nine times out of ten, if it's a relationship with a female in it, it's going to be a female. This, of course, does not apply to gay parents, single dads, some of whom now are much more engaged. But the nine out of ten times that it is, the mom. It's just hard to hear all of these things when I lived through them. And I thought, that things had changed. But oh, how quickly we see that they really haven't. There needs to be better solutions than the ad hoc of just pulling out your own, um, hanging up your own sign on the door, leaving, leaving your law firm, leaving the marketplace to go solo because it gives you more flexibility. There should be more flexibility built into workplaces especially for young lawyers. I hope everybody can survive this. Over and out.